0: uh, This is a really important episode. It's a really fascinating one, and I hope everybody listens to the whole thing. Um, I want to note that we had a slight technical issue during the recording of this, and you'll notice that the audio... You may notice that the audio changes at a certain point. You might miss it as well, but just wanted to let you know that's why the audio changes, and... um, yeah enjoy the episode also want to give a shout out to float helm of course float helm is the scheduling software designed for your business for your float center from the ground up not only are they doing floats now they're also doing massage acupuncture you can schedule a free tour on floathelm.com and see if float helm is a good fit for you my guess is that it is we use it at the float shop we stand by it we love it and uh, they keep adding to it constantly too so floathelm.com is where you want to go to schedule your free tour Enjoy the episode. Mm Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. I'm Dylan. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon with my lovely wife. And gosh, I think it's for eight years now. And we have had cancellations for coming into the shop because of people diagnosed with COVID-19. So they haven't come in for that reason.
1: This is Kim Hannon. I own Suki No Float Center in Salt Cave in southern Indiana, and we have had really no phone calls, no cancellations or anything that we're aware of. We've had our regular, up, you know, ebbs and flows um, with the, the schedule, but um, no one has really been uh, too concerned yet. But the area is starting <laughs> to really get hit, and so there might be mm-hmm. some, some change in the next week or two.
0: And, wh- so. and where are you located?
1: In southern Indiana. So um, we're right across the bridge from Louisville, Kentucky, and we've had some, you know, increased activity, we'll say, for COVID-19 in the area. Some local colleges have um, shut down for the semester, and um, another school just announced today that they are closing. They're about to go on uh, spring break this week, and then they're closing for two weeks after that as well. So um, panic levels just kind of doubled a little bit in the past 24 to 36 hours.
2: And this is Drew from New Hampshire Float in New Hampshire. I haven't had any single issues thus far with anyone um, even mentioning COVID-19. I had one lady who had just gotten out of her float, and when I said, Um, Oh, you're the only one here, everyone had had left. She said, why is everyone not coming here because of the virus? And I said, no, the next appointments are in an hour. And she said, oh, okay. But no one else has said anything (laughs) at all. I've had no issues whatsoever. But also like Kim, uh, the colleges in Boston, which isn't far away, I'm 35 minutes from Boston, they are telling students not to come back from spring break. Harvard just told people not to come back. They canceled a bunch of sporting events in Cambridge Mass that are supposed to be this weekend. And like Kim, it's just starting to intensify, but I'm booked out for the next few days and no one's called to question it. No one's questioned like my um, cleanliness, the sanitation practices. No one has mentioned anything. So life goes on.
3: Okay. Hi, this is Gloria Morris and I'm the owner of Float 60 in uh, Chicago, two locations in Chicago, one in Northwest Indiana and one newly acquired location in Lake Zurich, Illinois. What? Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, <woo-hoo. laughs> yeah, so call me the crazy one. Um, so, we have had a couple of emails, uh, cancellations. One specifically did reference there was some trepidation because of the coronavirus, and I immediately canceled with no problem, which we normally do anyway. And uh, yeah, like Kim said, I have a son at um, Indiana University. Uh, Purdue University at Indianapolis, and IU Bloomington, IU Indianapolis, they were both told today that they will not be coming home from spring break, or going back to school from spring break, so uh, he was happy about that, Uh, but it is cause for concern. Uh, People are leaving the dorms, and uh, he's likely going to be home, you know, for a good part of the next couple of months, so yeah, it's it's definitely something that uh, is blowing up as of today in the state of Indiana and Illinois, were feeling it. There are confirmed cases in Chicago. So um, that's definitely impacting the perception of the business for sure. Okay. All businesses, not just ours, right? Right, so. right.
0: Thank you, guys. Thanks for all these introductions. This is very interesting. Um, I am really excited to have a very special guest on with us tonight to go into this in a little bit more in-depth with a little bit more detail. He is a public health inspector and industry advocate from Alberta, Canada. And uh, Jason McDonald has been on the show before. He has spoken at the float conference many, multiple times. And he is our our really go-to for information when it comes to float tanks and, and relations with the health department. Jason, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks for having me back.
0: Absolutely, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being here. What an interesting time um, uh, for, I think, everybody, but also for somebody in your position. Um, What's it like for you right now?
4: (laughs) Uh, Good question. Um, I think in general, any public health official right now is gonna tell you, uh, we're we're busy at the best of times, um, Mm. keeping the world safe, uh, that sort of thing. And then uh, when these things happen, at the rate they're happening, we're getting pulled into, um, you know, sort of emergency operating centers, maybe, or uh, giving press conferences and meeting mm. with the public, answering a lot of questions, developing web materials. So there's um, that really pulls us away from the work we do every mm. day. But we still try to maintain um, the balance of, uh, of keeping, keeping things uh, running uh, as we normally would. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely like, um, like having two jobs in one. a brand new job arrived on our desk (laughs) over the last couple months and absolutely working two jobs at once but um may i ask go ahead
0: ahead. okay um do you feel like um a lot has actually changed behind the scenes about how people um should be maintaining their their pools hot tubs float tanks all of that um and it's simply this uh, this awareness thing that's going on or the, the all this media attention onto it um do you feel like there's new information that you actually need to put out to people
4: um you know yes and no i think i think overall people want to have some basic questions answered um and i might we might touch on that today like do i need to introduce a new disinfectant for wiping down my my tanks and tubs or something Mm -hmm. um but then there's some um you know, just general, you know, seeing people fight over toilet paper. there's some some sort of like misinformation out there too. So uh, hopefully we can just clarify like, um, but I think the message today will be very, very simple. Um, um, there's a lot um, going going for you as a float center um, that is gonna keep the public safe. Uh, I would say, like um, in general, it's, it's nothing um, jumps out as like overly concerning. Um, but you know, maybe some additional rigor that um, owners and operators can sort of look at to give the public that assurance that you know we've yeah. looked at this as an industry. This is what we do. It's pretty safe to begin with. And then there's this. Uh, this is some maybe some additional precautions we're taking, or even just being able to articulate what's safe about floating in the first place, which is always mm-hmm. something we've um, we've sort of talked about on this pod and at the conferences.
0: Great. Well, yeah, let's just go ahead and start diving into that because I think that's mm-hmm. the, the real crux of it for me is, um, in, in talking to you, what I want to know is, you know, are standard procedures enough with our water sanitation, with wiping down uh, float tanks, shower handles, all of that? Um, or should we be, like you said, should we be adding a different disinfectant into it? Should we be adding other steps to our cleaning and sanitation?
4: Yeah, well, I'll start off by saying, uh, and and you'll hear this from all the public health officials. It's it's still really early. I mean, it was um, this virus is sort of identified globally only within the last few months, and so uh, we know a lot about you know general microbiology and the behavior of microbes and things like that. But this is a brand new virus, and so how it behaves in the community, we don't have every single answer yet. So, um, but we can rely on what we know to sort of inform our decisions. so for instance coronaviruses in general um have an envelope around them that envelope to our you know we're lucky because um it's actually pretty sensitive to environmental conditions so the things that you're doing uh around cleaning and disinfection already presuming that everybody listening to this podcast is is you know <laughs> pretty diligent with that um, let's, let's are going to f- yeah right level. Yeah. yeah yeah um are going to um help because um it's once that sort of virus is out and you know, out on a surface or something like that, your your usual cleaning and disinfection steps should should be adequate to um, stop the spread of transmission. There, um, the other part about um, how these viruses so that's how they're made. So the viruses have this envelope. It's very it's, and we're lucky. I think the osmotic tendencies of um, of that dense float solution. Uh, we haven't done any studies, of course, way too early, but just really um, you would intuitively believe that um, nothing is going to be able to sort of survive in there. So somebody sneezed coronavirus into your float tank, Um, you know, worst case scenario, um, the, you know, not, we've shown like not much survives in there at all. Um, And so this would be one of those um, categories of of pathogens that um, likely isn't going to do very well just in the float solution itself. And we've even talked about like turning on your circulation and filtration and blasting it with UV light and stuff. So so yeah, that's sort of about the virus. And then how the virus is spread, I think is important to keep in mind too. Um, You'll hear public health officials talking about um, droplets. Um, So um, there's different ways you can acquire these pathogens. Um, Droplets are ones that sort of don't travel very far in the air they you can imagine like a sneeze and where that goes so that's sort of your, like your diameter around you that's a zone of influence I guess you could say okay. and then um, but in floating it's usually by yourself right so right. you would worst case scenario like sneeze into a um, into a float tank that was enclosed and you start to think like that it might inform like maybe some of the additional steps you would take is maybe whereas before you might not have wiped down all the surfaces in your Pot or tank, maybe that's something we want to look at doing. But um, and um, at this time, I would say just in, in addition to sort of you know cleaning and wiping stuff down, r- circulating that um, that water through your filter, or whatever your disinfection strategy is, if it's um, UV light, making uh, don't take for granted that that light is on. You know, make sure it's working and look at your transmittance and make just take this opportunity to double back and make sure everything is working as you expect it to be and then that's what you can tell the public right is um, we looked at all our systems everything's running fine um you're in there by yourself which is to your advantage you're showering of course uh, before and after which is great
2: right right um
4: yeah um and then yeah so it, it's transmitted through the air through like sort of a, a smaller smaller um diameter around the person who sneezed or coughed let's say and then it's also like picked up on surfaces so you're um you know, you sneezed onto the counter or door, or touched your hand and touch a doorknob. You know that route of transmission. Um, I think that uh, that's more unlikely in a in a float tank scenario that that's going to be a problem. Um, we don't really what we can say. This is virus travels a lot, moves a lot, like like influenza does. So the flu, and we're not seeing like any sort of <laughs> statistics showing that people get the flu from float centers. So uh, if we right. keep that in mind, it sort of informs us on, on where the risks might be, and I don't think that typically your your, your places are going to be hot spots, but it um, okay. doesn't mean we can't put some additional thought into how we're going uh, to keep the public you know, uh, um, confident that that's a safe right. activity. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I really like talking about to customers asking about sanitation is the fact that it is just a single body in there, and then there's time in between. Um, you know, it's not like a pool where you're sharing and you could have direct skin-to-skin or, you know, Mm mucus-to-skin contact um, in there. Would you consider that to be a strong, you know, quote-unquote selling point to to customers as far as safety goes for this particular, for COVID-19?
4: Yeah, exactly. The the, the individual nature of it and the time that you're in there uh, floating, 60 to 90 minutes probably on average, and then whatever, maybe a 15-minute intercession between... Uh, clients is is all to the benefit of like the public health um, um, view on this. Um, Mm. And while that's happening, it's not just like dead time, of course, like that water circulating and being blasted with UV and perhaps a chemical. Um, Maybe after that, um, workers are going in and and scrubbing down all the high touch surfaces or anywhere that might have got sneezed on. um, And I think that's all going to, you know, line up with what any public health officials are going to ask people to do. For sure.
0: May um, I
4: ask? Uh, oh, go ahead, please. No, go ahead. I, 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 what I will just say to, that, to end that thought is that uh, right now, anyway, is again, we're in this early stage, but it seems like the um, what we're hearing is like the public assemblies where like people are gathered together in, in rooms where they'd be close together, you know? I think right. that's what's being sort of targeted as the intervention. Let's try pre- and prevent as much of that going on, but mm. I can't see that being um, unless there's some sort of like <laughs> random uh, group float thing that's going on at uh, I I that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that's going to be um, where you know public health messaging or government messaging is saying, like, don't go out to these float centers. It's pretty individual. So that would
3: justify the uh, the colleges and schools mm. potentially canceling, right? Because it's conducive to being in a confined con- confined space with multiple people. that's that's something yeah. you would agree with.
4: Yeah, I think that's what we're seeing right now, right, is um, you know, cruise ships, especially um, those places where there's, um, <laughs> I don't want to say an unnatural amount of people in one area, but um, but just keeping you know, people separated from each other is a really basic public health measure. Uh, they might call it uh, isolation or self-isolation or uh, in a more extreme sort of term, maybe something like quarantine or something like that, self-quarantine, mm-hmm. but just the idea of um, keeping away from as many people as you can if you suspect that you have these symptoms. But, um, yeah, and, and I don't I don't blame maybe some of the larger centers like colleges for, for taking that step in your area, uh, especially at the early stage, better better to be safe.
3: You had mentioned earlier that you've been being called to emergency operations centers um, lately. What, what does that look like? What are people doing? I hope you don't mind that question, Dylan. I'm trying to just kind of understand the bigger scope of how the, the towns or jurisdictions are handling this it. is a public health crisis right i happen to work with eocs in my real job um and you know that's why i it, i caught up you saying that so what mm-hmm. what kind of role do you serve in that kind of setting
4: um it's a good question um I'll speak like generally that um, whenever um, there are large-scale events that might impact a community um, whether the community is like a town or or city or province or state or a whole country as you see in maybe like Italy right now um, what it what it is is um, serves lots of different functions I think um, probably in my opinion one of the the most important functions is like getting getting materials, getting know-how and capacity to where it needs to be. Um, so in maybe uh, areas where there's been fires, like California or something like that, you might um, see emergency uh, centers where people can come to uh, and, and if their houses are being burned down or they're concerned or where to go in case of smoke. And so, so it's around like getting capacity to people who need it in the, in the short term. Um, and then um, maybe the other really big factor is, is consistent, concise, um, messaging from one location and the other thing about these uh, operating centers is or emergency operating centers is that there are um, they're lots of different jurisdictions represented there, lots of different professions so you don't have like um, for instance like fire officials speaking in one press conference and uh, health officials in another one, they're, they're sort of a united front and they pick a voice that's going to say it all so um, yeah and I think that's what you're seeing you know um, in different states and provinces is um Especially the medical officers of health would be the like point of um, point of contact for representing what the what the message is, but there's teams and teams of people that are like gathering data and putting that, that information together and keeping it as like transparent as possible um, which
0: as we were so discussing yeah. before the podcast like that's going to be different based on your state your county your your country this is you know a global podcast so. You need, you need to find your own group that's going to be that voice for you.
4: Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, again, like we have perhaps international, um, I mean, this podcast is international. I'm from Canada and you guys in the States. So <laughs> <It's> uh, <official. laughs> lots of different um, countries perhaps listening in. And that's that's a huge point um, that you make is is the direction for your jurisdiction, your where you live is, is going to be um, perhaps a little bit different than what I'm hearing in my province and it's all dependent on the data we get and that we collect um, in our in our area and best serve our population so there's no one uh, strategic sort of way to handle this uh, concern but um, there's a lot of similarities too when you look at like what what different governments are saying, yeah sure.
2: Jason, um, there's a lot of concern that I'm hearing from other float centers about some possible quarantines or where the government actually asks people as we're already seeing to stay in to not go out that could obviously affect business are you hearing any of that have th- are there already contingency plans for the fact that they might tell entire populations to stay in for a couple of weeks is there already some talk of that or is that not even on the radar from a health inspector's standpoint uh it's a
4: really good it's a really good question um i guess we're, this is really, like, and for me anyway, a lot of uncharted territory, like, where could this go, and I can imagine, like, well, we've already heard on, like, on the pod already that, like, some schools may be closing. I have kids in school, like, <laughs> what am I going to do? I can't, you know, I have to look after them. Lots of different ramifications, even if you look at, um, some countries are saying, like, avoid cruise ships in general. That sounds like a really good idea, right? But, um, there's this, like, ripple effect, right, in the economy, and uh, think about in the Caribbean, all these countries that depend on those cruise ships arriving. There's a, a really it's a huge impact potentially there, and so I think what I can say is um, most public health legislation is built in a way that allows that decision to be made, uh, but we rarely if ever have used it, but it would sort of say like it would allow for like extreme measures to be taken if, if, the, if the greater good was, was necessary. Um, that said, like those decisions are made with um, the utmost of understanding of, of what could, what the impacts would be to businesses and individuals and the, and the economy. And uh, um, and those, in you know, public health scenarios, those might take a back seat to like, you know, we're, we just don't want everyone to die. So everyone's got to stay home. But um, at the same time, uh, yeah, they're not made lightly. And I think you'll see like just incremental decisions being made in different jurisdictions based on, on the data they're seeing. Um, yeah, so it, there's the, there's, those, those mechanisms are there if we ever need them, but my, my gut would tell me that um, we we probably, uh, it'll just be like a step-by-step, step, you know, so you, what you hear um, in your area in terms of direction from the health department um, might might be a little less stringent, not less stringent, but just different measures than what we might hear out in, in a different state or province, and that's just depending on the number of cases they're seeing, number of people who traveled in, that sort of thing right now.
0: Got it. I'm going to ask a few really basic questions, if that's mm-hmm. okay. They, they might even be considered dumb questions. Um, air purifiers in the lobby, is that something that's going to be helping? Um, air purifier, maybe ionization, anything like that? Or would that just be, is that silly? Um, is that going to be destroying a virus in, in the droplets that you're describing? Or the in the airborne carrying of the virus?
4: No, no good question. These are questions we get a lot of. And you know, I... I um I don't want to say I've been accused of being too like business friendly in my public health approach, but I do get what it's like. I do understand what it would be like to have a float center under your ownership and wanting to do the right thing for your for your customers. Right. right? Um, that is, that is um, I really respect that and what it takes to be able to pull that off. Um, so yeah, I don't blame businesses for asking, like, should I go to the nth degree and get an mm-hmm. air purifier or something that is marketed to like zap (laughs) um zap the virus or whatever right Mm -hmm. we see the opportunities um that businesses will capitalize on potentially to like to market something that's Mm going to sell right now so i would say this um stick to the routine practices that would be um keeping people like advise people not to come in if they're sick you know and i think that's the main thing keep and that includes staff, so not just customers and clients, but maybe staff too. Well, obviously staff too. So um, if your staff have traveled, if, if your customers have traveled um, and they have an appointment next week um, and they're not sure, you know, just say like, you know what, just let's reschedule. Like that might be a better, I know that might be a financial hit in the short term, but maybe uh, money more, better better spent than going and buying an ionizer or something like that. I I don't know. The best thing it would do would be to like prevent those people from like sneezing or coughing in your place if they might be contagious so keeping them just informing them of like you know what's what's best here we're willing to work with you reschedule appointments if you travel like don't hesitate don't feel like you need to use uh come in here if you're not well i think that would be really um that's what i probably would do before i went and invested in any technology that way um but i know what i know i, I can understand the struggle and like what Another good question we could probably follow it up with would be, um, sorry, I'll, I'll stick stick with the air quality. I would I would rather just double check that my like HVAC system is working. So my heating ventilation air conditioning system that's designed to move air and uh, filter the air and bring air from outside in. Check that system before you go and like in you know buy like a ozone purifier or something like that. I would I would invest in the t- in the infrastructure you already have. Okay And maybe just double check, yeah, bring in an expert to have to make sure your your um, your air is circulating and moving as expected that filters are changed or something like that um, right I think that would be um where I'd start. It okay. would just
3: seem to think that um people coming in might have an additional layer of comfort if they thought we had some incremental filtration mm-hmm. or you know that we did there something above and beyond, so it might marketing. be because. Yeah. I, but, you know, it's a valid question. Does that really do anything? Right. Mm-hmm. I'd rather get the answer to say it really doesn't do anything. And we've looked into it with our health department and, you know, we've taken other precautions. You don't have to go into yeah. the details, but with, that's probably a, a yeah. good way to go about it. But I do I, think I, the perception is reality, right?
4: I totally uh, would agree with you a hundred percent that um, some public facing messaging about to your clients about what you're doing in response to this is, is absolutely going to be probably even necessary, you know, if you want them to come out and and have a float um, and the methods you choose. But I I think um, some of the stuff we'll, we'll arrive at today in our, in our podcast here, will probably help to like just remembering uh, like that, that not, not much, if anything grows in a, in float solution. So that's something that, you know, is, first and foremost to put out there, um, and then uh, speak about your filtration and your circulation and, or, and your ozone and your peroxide or whatever you're using, speak about that and how that's all sort of um, meant to keep things healthy anyway, uh, and that you, you called in experts to look at your air handling or you, you called in, you know, did a maintenance check on all the circulation system and everything's operating optimally. That's all really reassuring, I think, to the public too. Hmm. Um, have some hand sanitizer available, uh, <laughs> signage website updates, you know, little things like that. Um, I think are going to go a long way. Yeah. Awesome.
1: And we, we talked a little bit about some of the hard surfaces before, and I've heard conflicting numbers talking about, you know, misinformation that's out there. How long do you, uh, do you think that the pathogens actually last? I know a lot of it, you know, is still sort of being studied at this stage, but you know, if it's on a hard surface doorknobs, handles those sorts of things how long do should we um you know be aware that those pathogens could last just to make sure that we are cleaning those and disinfecting those areas
4: Mm -hmm. um we don't know about this virus and how it responds in the um environment all all that intimately but we do know that coronaviruses um don't respond well to just general routine cleaning and disinfection so um, I would say if your plan is like your your environmental services within your facility, your doorknobs, et cetera, you know, honestly, maybe those don't get that much attention at all. Uh, but yeah, I would really drill down and have a written, maybe a written procedure to show staff what you expect of them. Um, um, and then, yeah, just following a client around and, and thinking what they might touch and where they might, you know, cough or something like that. Um, be a good thing to do um, especially within the float scenario so the laying down face up you know what does that look like um is probably not worth uh, or probably worth exploring um but i just i always like to hit home on this um you'll hear even public health officials talk a lot about like what disinfectant is best you know should be bleach or peroxide or uh, quaternary ammonium lots of different active ingredients out there but the we forget about the cleaning, right? And so it's it's really about elbow grease more than it is about any sort of product. For me, um, get in there with a, with a cloth and wipe down the surfaces that you're concerned about um, and then apply a disinfectant. Um, I can't really tell you what disinfectant I, is, is gonna work best, but what I can tell you is um, a lot of EPA or Health Canada registered disinfectants will have like a virucidal claim. And maybe in this instance, you might want to look at that. And that doesn't mean you need to break the bank. Virucidal claim is is generally pretty easy to get on a disinfectant. So, um, you know, I'll say all that. And I'll also say that I'm very mindful of your industry's commitment to keeping sort of chemicals out of of where people float. And I respect that. And um, so there's a balance there, right? Um, You're looking for that cleaning aspect. You're looking for... Um, The right disinfectant doesn't need to be super powerful. This, this, generally, coronaviruses are pretty easy to kill, like I said. And then um, one that's not going to interact negatively with your float solution, if it comes in contact with it. Those are all factors to consider. Um, And uh, finally, on the topic of disinfectant, I would just hit home that um, you might wonder, when you're looking at two disinfectants, both with a virucidal claim, one costs $10 and one costs $5 for example. Often that's related to what we call contact time, well what I call contact time, and that is the ne- amount of time it takes for that disinfectant to actually kill the germs. So um, I don't want to speak about any particular brand names, but you can probably imagine those little canisters of disinfectant wipes, and they're super cheap. You can get them at lots of different department stores. You pull out pull out a wipe, you give the wipe the surface down and you think you've like eradicated the germs. But in fact, if you read the fine print, it'll say, uh, actually for that, for the germs to get killed, that has to stay wet for 10 minutes with that disinfectant on it. It's like a completely unrealistic contact time. Wow. Yeah. So I would say keep contact time in mind too. Um, sometimes it might be worth looking at the range of products you could, you could, you could have, um, and And shoot for like a three minute contact time or a one minute contact time to see if that's available to you. Um, and again, um, we've got like plastic and fiberglass tubs and and different things like that. this These're all factors to consider, but um, I would say it's the cleaning. like actually take the time to physically clean that those surfaces. Um, probably very low risk. There's like somebody sneezed or coughed or like Hocked a loogie on any of those but let's just clean them anyway that's what we call routine precautions and then uh, choose the right disinfectant given those kind of variables I gave you Um, so a lot of health departments will talk about like bleach solutions and I know bleach in your float water isn't ideal but maybe that's maybe that's the one you want to choose just for this like in a spray bottle a certain mix mm. that your health department recommends like a little bit of bleach the rest is water you spray it on there you wipe it down after you've cleaned and maybe that's um, maybe that's going to be sufficient. So a lot of different health departments are giving different um, information on environmental disinfection. So I'd say look to them, but um, just keep those key factors in mind, like contact time and cleaning before you disinfect. I think those are the main things, yeah.
3: So walk us through what contact time looks like logistically. Mm-hmm. So my, my team is in there. They're cleaning with a wipe or cloth and they're supposed to literally lay this thing on the surface area for three minutes at a time. I mean, this really impacts turnover time. So what is the most effective way to execute on that?
4: Yeah. I think the most, like we start have to start with the cleaning, right? So soap and water or some equivalent solution that you might have anyway, like that's gotta be first, like clean, get off anything that's on there. Like that removes the soil that removes the germs, and you're left with like a cleaned surface. That's very ideal. So, um, so I, I don't want to go as far as to say cleaning is good enough because your health department might disagree with me. But um, I would float in a place that told me we vigorously clean our tubs after every float. You know, in response to coronavirus. I, I think that would be really, really good information. Um, but if you wanted to layer on, I would say then we. Uh, a one minute contact time um like i think since you asked since you asked your question it's probably been about one minute so what that would look like is you sprayed the surface and left it for as long as like since you asked your question and then you went back and wiped it down okay. or if you're using a wipe you would you would wipe it and you'd like look at it and say it's still wet still wet oh no it's drying over here i'm gonna wipe some more in that area right can you imagine doing that for 10 minutes it's um especially oh. with the water <laughs> circulating right um
1: and a this is a whole the other,
4: right. This is a whole other. And meanwhile, you're like hanging precariously over the float water, right? You <laughs> might fall in or something. It just doesn't lend itself to. Uh, right. To Hence the wanna, question.
3: <laughs> yeah. Right? right. Right. Yeah. When I get upset or stressed, I am a crazy cleaner. I use those mm-hmm. Lysol wipes like crazy and I spray down my, my counter. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah. am I making it worse? Because I don't have contact time. That is crazy.
4: To well it's um it's the wiping of the with the wipe is actually doing more than any sort of like germ kill, probably.
3: Yeah.
4: What it's getting out with like how it actually might make it worse is um, if you've heard of uh, antibiotic resistance. So this is where like if you acquire an infection, which is very common, they, they're running out of like antibiotics to treat those infections nowadays. Yeah. And um we believe, I strongly believe, that um, not following contact time on disinfectants is a, is contributing to that. So you wipe down the table. You kill the really easy germs to kill, but you, unless you have that 10-minute contact time, you leave behind the strong ones. And then they are wow. able to resist the disinfection on the next next swipe. Plus, they, they have this like a crazy ability to transmit their genomes to other bacteria. The and, and they learn how to wow. This. Yeah, that is so, so crazy. It, right. And so um, <laughs> but how 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 do you like undo the marketing on that, right? Like you're told, yeah. If you're not wiping down all your kids' toys that they will die, right? And so you're um that's a huge so, message to undo.
0: I feel like I'm I have misunderstood the contact time thing. So
4: mm-hmm.
0: um so I I wipe. That was the contact time, or it needs to be moist for five minutes, or five minutes later, I then need to wipe it again with a different towel. It needs
3: to stay moist.
0: It needs to stay moist. Yeah, that's what you said.
3: That doesn't happen. It needs the it needs the actual disinfectant to stay on the area for that amount of contact time.
0: the ultimate. Is
4: that what you meant? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, so each disinfectant will come with its own contact time. You so see if it's in the small print, like go home tonight or look in your the closets there and yeah. see if you have disinfectant. Yeah. Uh, um, and it'll, generally the cheap stuff says 10 minutes. And so... Unbelievable, um, okay. Yeah, and so... um, Yeah, and that's what I was getting at with like you get what you pay for. The The ones with shorter contact times tend to be a little bit more expensive. Um, Man, they hate to advertise but, that
1: better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, so it just depends on what you're trying to kill too. Like, I mean, some, like I said, some germs are really easy to kill in like 30 seconds and sometimes it takes 10 minutes. But um, just, I think it's always good to like promote that awareness that just read the label. You know, I'm
1: super excited because I just looked up the uh, the cleaner that we use and we use, it's called Force of Nature. Do you guys know that? No. Um, are you familiar, Jason? Please don't squash my hopes here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it actually does like an... Um, it comes in a little uh, vial, a tube, and then mm-hmm. you drop it in with water and it runs through a little um, electron process. Um, and it is, uh, let's see, their testing, their EPA testing, it it says their dwell time for sanitization is one minute. They go by the common 10 minute um, contact time, but their testing has shown a 99.9% reduction in 30 seconds. Um, yeah. So that's... It's
4: pretty good. Yeah that, sounds, yeah, that sounds good. And so it's like a legit Sounds technology. like marketing to me. I
1: know. But. <laughs> well, what about this one? So
0: we use, we use Virax, and I've got, and I, at first I was really excited because it says contact time, allow surface to remet, remain wet for one minute. And then if you continue reading, it says, so it says, uh, allow surface to remain wet for one minute to kill HIV-1, five minutes to kill HBV, HCV, and for 10 minutes to kill all other organisms cited on the label. Mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i like oh wait a minute this isn't a winner
4: um, <laughs> yeah, I did. thought like, virus like the virus was a
0: beast I thought it was the ultimate
4: it has to line up with like what you wanted to kill and in this case um, the like enveloped viruses are probably in the 30 second range like they're actually quite easy to kill which we're right. lucky if this was like uh, yeah. some, other, some other pathogen that was really resistant in the community um, we'd be probably on a different discussion but I, I just sort of, yeah, uh, use that as an opportunity to talk about I, dwell time is the other way to say it. I couldn't think and recall. call. I said that I call it contact time. But yeah, I think it's referred to as dwell time now. And so that's just, um, yeah, that surface that's been cleaned has to remain wet for that little time, like that's what that refers to.
0: Would you recommend spraying down a room with Virex, you know, the, the, the high contact mm-hmm. points, and then just going into the next room, doing the same thing, you know, hitting all the rooms and then circling back and then wiping it down so that it remains wet for longer?
4: Yeah, I think that's a really good, um, I mean, depending on your disinfectant, depending on your um, facility, that, that, that intuitively sounds like a, right, a good idea. Like sure. you call it uh, like spray, wait, and wipe. So mm-hmm. like, but don't forget to clean first, right? So like you clean it in down, right. then you, it's okay. spray, and you walk over and you do the next room, same procedure. Probably by that time, go back to room number one and, and, and wipe it down again. Okay. Um, again, like whatever your disinfectant um, describes as, as, as a dwell time would be the only factor there to consider. But um, yeah, that sounds, that sounds like the right idea. Like you're thinking along the lines of what, what I would uh, recommend, yeah.
0: This is very revealing. Okay. And then
4: also uh, you said like spray it down. So I think that's another term that could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So, um, I would prefer like targeted wiping versus like a fogging of a, of a room or something with some sort of disinfectant or chemical. So what it is, are you, are you, um, targeting mm. direct spray on that or spray into a cloth and, and wipe depending okay. on, on the manufacturer rather than, um, just like a big mist everywhere. I think that's counter to probably what you guys are. Really heard. heard that that but...
3: was happening in China, that they were spraying mm-hmm. some kind of airborne disinfectant. And I wondered if that was effective at all.
4: Yeah, I saw pictures of that too. And yeah, I don't know if we're going to see that here. Um, some of that, I don't know what, what it even was they were spraying, if it was disinfectant or some. I don't know. But, if it was um, a
0: disinfectant, it sounds like that's how you breed the super bugs <laughs> yeah. right like yeah, that's a bad definitely,
4: idea <laughs> definitely could have some uh, uh unintended consequences if you're just you know fogging an area like that for sure
2: jason while uh, i have you oh. <laughs> can I have to, sorry just one <laughs> quick, quick you, question jason. the sanitizer i use says that it sanitizes in 30 seconds but allowed to uh, allowed to stay wet for 10 minutes to disinfect but it doesn't explain what the difference between sanitize mm. and disinfect is.
4: So mm-hmm. Is there um, like a general. Those, those are two different sort of terms. Yeah, I might refer to the number of germs killed, um, sanitize versus disinfect. Um, so I think maybe some good advice would be to also to just double back to the manufacturer of where you're getting this stuff and go, I, I really want to talk about envelope viruses here. I want to talk about coronavirus specifically. What's the dwell time I'm looking for? Um, because the information is not totally clear on the label. Um, I think they are probably loving the fact that you're asking that question and ready to step up and say, yeah, yeah it's 10 minutes or 30. Oh, 30 minutes is good. Um, like I said, luckily, this virus is considered pretty easy to kill uh, from with the chemicals, so that part's good. So it's probably on the on the shorter end of time. Yeah.
0: Great. Thank you. What does envelope yeah. virus mean?
4: Uh, it's... If you can imagine, like, um, what are viruses? They're like strands of of nucleic acid, like strands of DNA, if you can imagine that, ball balled up. Some uh, are protected, like, by a protein, and we call those non-enveloped viruses. Um, And some are coated with this sort of um, layer of, like, fats, if you will. And uh, that sounds, like, more protective, right, to have this, like, layer of fat around you. But actually, um, that membrane is... Very, if you can like rupture that membrane somehow the virus dies mm-hmm. which is good so the the envelope or the fatty membrane around it um can be ruptured in lots of different ways quite easily so okay. that's what's good about it um intuitively you would think like an envelope makes things safer but in right. this case okay. a little more susceptible to the environmental mm-hmm. uh strategies we have to kill them
0: good to know also disgusting
3: all right yeah, yeah totally <laughs> grossed out right now
4: <laughs> for for me, like as a public health official, like I think we're um, we're a little bit guilty of um, not telling people how important it is to just clean things. Like, just be super diligent about the cleaning. Like I call it elbow grease. It's the cheapest, right? It's just water and soap and a rag, and you throw the rag in the washing machine after or something. Um, but I think we're marketed to believe that it's it's about how powerful the disinfectant is or. You know, you Isn't wipe the kitchen counter clean and sparkles like that. That actually might actually be worse. Like you're, you're leaving behind pathogens that are a bit more resistant. So, <laughs> yeah, I would focus on the cleaning. And then if you have to choose a disinfectant, if you're directed to, maybe just ask the health department, like, what, what would you recommend? I, most in my experience, they'd probably say, like, I just make a bleach solution, you know, like um, this many ounces in this many cups of water, mix it up and spray it, make a new solution every day. On there, um, after you've cleaned, and then you do that step, you know it's pretty effective. It can be pretty effective, and it's proven to be. Like I said, all we have is is f- some evidence from your industry that like there's n- not doesn't seem to be a hot spot for only influenza transmission. This virus behaves very similarly in the environment, as I as I understand, and so so I, um, even just any extra precautions you're taking are going to be going to be um, I think well. Heralded by the public, they're gonna go. Oh yeah, they get it. You know.
2: So. Jason, along those lines, if somebody did sneeze into a float tank or on a handle and mm-hmm. it wasn't cleaned in between properly, the next person touches it. If they were to wash their hands or shower right after that, is that enough to keep them safe? Like, will washing your hands be enough to, mm-hmm. you know, say, oh well, if you also shower after, shower vigorously. If you will, uh then even if there was coronavirus on the float tank, you'd be okay, or is that not accurate?
4: no that's a great uh it's a great point, and it's actually a good follow up to some of what I was saying about how it behaves in the environment, so um what they'll say like we kinda can't you kind of can't uh, avoid coming into contact with surfaces that people might have touched right it's 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 um it's just not very realistic. However, yeah, opening that door, having a shower right after is, is to your advantage. Yeah, so showering, you know, treating your hands the same as you treat your hair as you're washing the rest of your body, taking that cleansing shower is is exactly in line with what public health officials are saying. You know, wash your hands, make sure your hands are visibly clean, use alcohol-based hand sanitizer if you can. Any of those things are meant to interrupt the, the, the transmission of this, so that's a really good point. And the other one is Coming out, of the, coming out of the tank or the pod, um, in my experience, most, if not everybody, showers that salt off and that as well is going to um, anything you might have like picked up on your person, be showered off as well. So again, like, these, are, these are really good. Um, if you're able to articulate these points to your uh, customers, I think it's going to be to your advantage and they just set them at ease even more.
0: This is great stuff. Thank you, Jason. Thank you so much for joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, before we close this out, thank you for spending so much time going into this. We went over, I think more time than I said that you would <laughs> be helpful. Here forward, so I appreciate Very it. Very yes, um, Thank you. Right. Yeah. Um, before we go, is there any, are there any final words you want to impart to float center owners uh, about this situation?
4: Um, yeah, I think, I think, um, you hear the tone of my voice. I'm not, like, freaking out. I'm not telling everyone to, like, run, <laughs> run for the ocean, you know, or anything like that. I think um, I, I would just come back to um, you know, keep, keep yourselves informed. I think everybody's got a really good idea of, like, who the real, real experts are. So there's the World Health Organization. They're right on top of this, obviously, on a global level. Um, if you find their information a bit too global for what's going on in your area, there's um, the CDC out of Atlanta and the States where... Um, that guides a lot of thinking in North America here. Um, and then your local health departments, uh, everybody's taking this very, very seriously. So they've got daily updates. So those would be the three areas I would um, look to on this like daily sort of keep yourself informed idea. Um, I think, and just, um, and we've, you know, we've talked about like what's good about floating, like what's inherently safe about it. We talked about the showering. Uh, we talked about like what you can do in terms of like marketing that that um, that those healthy aspects so doing little things like just double checking that everything's working optimally and checking your ventilation systems to talk about air quality with your customers offering them uh, reimbursement for floats they might miss if they're ill these are all things you could do um, or consider um, to sort of um, help show them that you're aware uh, and then the fact that um, yeah you're sort of alone in there um, that is sort of in line with what what public health is telling people, like stay away from large groups, you know, what better thing to do than sort of isolate yourself for 90 minutes and and get away from the whole toilet paper fighting and just just chill out for 90 minutes in the float tank, right? (laughs) I love it. There's (laughs) um, there's probably a good angle in there, but yeah.
0: Right. (laughs) The advertising angle, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cool. Thank you so much for joining us. I really, truly appreciate it. I think this will be really good for the industry, for everybody, all, all the float center and, uh, center owners to hear. So thank you very much for joining awesome.
4: us. Yeah, well, my pleasure as always.
0: So that was awesome. Thanks to Jason for being on the show. How are you guys all feeling about your
3: um, cleaning products? Super confident or? <laughs> I think I need to get my glasses out and read all the labels yeah. closely. <laughs> like the marketing. <laughs> he He's so... <laughs> that was so informative to know that there's this contact time and uh, each product's different. I, I really had no idea.
2: I think that this was is a gr- the- great time to re-examine all of those things, all of your procedures, mm-hmm. what you're using, how you're using it, how your staff is using it. Um, you know, the contact time was a really big deal and, Even on the news, I saw some things where people were going down the subway, spraying the handles and wiping it. And right away, I said, "You're not leaving it on long enough." But I didn't really know how long is long enough. And it's definitely something that, it you know, with the whole, uh, what is it, C O D, C D nineteen, COVID nineteen. COVID Um, (laughs) nineteen. Yeah. It's a good time to look at the episode title. Yeah. Uh, Right, but this is a perfect opportunity. Make sure everyone's doing it, doing your cleaning procedures properly. And, uh, and like Gloria said, looking at the fine print of what you're actually using and mm-hmm. how long it takes to work and how it works. Fascinating yeah, stuff.
1: I, I think it's a yeah, really good time to kind of be intentional about the way that you're cleaning and thinking right. through that, like overall process. Because I know, I know in the beginning I was absolutely diligent about like spray first, start gathering all the soiled and used mm. items and all of that. And then I'd go back and wipe. But I know there have been busy days where I haven't left it on there long enough. Mm. Um, so it's a really good reminder about just that idea of leaving it on a little bit longer, a little yeah. bit longer. Yeah. And yeah.
3: just building it into your training process. Because I, right. Definitely don't feel like that's ever been part of it. So I'm yes, going to, as soon as this gets published, this this podcast, I'm going to post it on all four of our logbooks and have everybody mm-hmm. sign off on the fact that they, they listened to this episode in full.
1: I think what was really uh, reassuring about that, though, is the fact that he said this virus is really easy to kill. So yeah. even if we haven't been doing it perfectly, we're probably right. still getting it.
3: It's but a disgusting envelope virus. It right. can be killed
1: easily. It's great, right. yeah. <laughs> out easy. It's
2: and an now we virus. know
3: what an envelope virus is. <laughs> what, what did he say the other one was? Uh, envelope and there was one I other.
2: I think it was just non-envelope virus. Is that right?
3: I thought there was a name for it, oh. but anyway, anyway, it has a little we, shell on it. It's we did have a lot of science tonight, and protein. it was quite enlightening. Yes.
2: I, I can't wait to explain that to a customer who asks about the virus. No, it's an envelope virus. You wipe it, you break it. Yeah, yeah you penetrate
0: gentle envelope. the envelope.
1: It's like, you know when you get an membrane. envelope wet,
2: how it just tears apart like that? It's just
0: like that. It's super easy. <laughs> um,
1: Talk about the, misinformation.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. Although I do like being armed with like a little bit of extra, Like you, if you start educating you're uh, the people calling in with questions if you're educating them on yeah we're going this is our standard procedure and you know we're also sure to do this because of that then um, people like i love it when people ask about how we keep our float tank water clean because like you know you dump that after every float right like <laughs> actually no and they're like oh god and then their eyes are rolling back into their heads with just like okay okay it's clean just stop talking right. i love doing that um so uh you're-
2: yeah Dylan, you kind of bring up a, a question. You said, if someone calls and asks, have you started to talk about any different procedures? Have you openly talked about the COVID-19 and procedures that you use? Have any of you, Gloria or Kim? Because I haven't. I haven't said anything about it. No one To, to the public. It. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I have not. not I have not. And, you know, I think I, I was trying to not call attention to the concern, but now, you know, the concern is there just across right. all industries. So right. I, I do think and I'm getting more emails from different things that I belong to, like gyms and right. um, I I belong to several gyms that have all emailed me. I go to none of them, but I belong to <laughs> <several>. <laughs> So I've got one from Orange Theory yesterday telling me, you know, how they Say, stay home if I, I was going, like I was going up till like two months ago. Um, but yeah, I like the way they're proactively making me feel like they're concerned about it. So I thought, yeah, I think it's time now to proactively go out there and address the database and, you know, post something maybe on Facebook. I don't know. I don't know what the right process is, but I'm definitely in the camp of communicating now proactively.
1: Mm-hmm. I think we're we're starting to get to that point just where, you know, there have been some recent concerns locally. Um, so far, all I've done, though, I did share um, it was a press release from the Salt Therapy Association that talked about halo therapy and the, the virus um, and just the importance really of keeping stress levels down. So it was more of that oh, kind of a marketing angle. Huh. Um, and I shared that kind of it was a lighthearted post. Um, just saying, you know, hey, it it, it was whenever uh, the first case had hit in Marion County in central Indiana. And, you know, I share that just saying, hey, now that it's local, just remember, here are some things you can do to be prepared, including keeping your own stress levels down. And, you know, we had some little funny things in there about like, don't lick your fingers whenever you uh, eat your Cheetos and like that kind of stuff. Like, chopsticks. But then there was the, yeah, you know, chopsticks for everything. Um, but then, you know, wash your hands and just some of the like, tips for staying healthy, um, sort of a slant. I don't know. We don't, it's the craziest thing before we opened, we got a ton of questions about cleanliness and about how we're mm. filtering the water. But since we've opened, I mean, the past 18 months, like, I can't even tell you the last time somebody asked me. That's a good sign. Um,
0: that means yeah, you doing something right. Right. You're what and, you're projecting out there.
1: Right. So uh, there's that part of me that's still hesitant. Um, but I loved someone in the Float Collective, and I, I apologize, I forgot who it was. Someone shared a little post today that she had created saying um, we were sanitizing before. It was cool. That, that, was that. Awesome. that was awesome. That I was saw super, that. Yeah, super that was great. Awesome. I want to know who that is. I'm going to look it up really quick. Yeah, so look it up so we can out. give
3: them a credit for sure. Yes. And that's awesome.
0: So, Drew, I haven't um, said anything publicly. After this episode, I feel way more empowered to put something out confidently. Uh, so I think we'll do that. The question is, is it just a a story on the feeds? Is it a post that stays out there? Or is it a newsletter? And I'm honestly, at the end of this, I'm leaning more towards newsletter. I mean, and then if something hits newsletter, it's probably going to be dispersed throughout the other places as well. Um, But, uh, I, I mean, I'm in Portland. Portland was one of the first... Uh, reported cases in the u.s um it is here and it's not about to go away so i feel like um saying something is important at this point and like gloria said like everybody is just aware of it at this point it's this is not not going going away
1: yeah. and it's impacting
3: all industries not just ours so it's for sure yeah
1: exactly
0: kim did you yes. find that name
1: I did. It was um, the owner of Float Robbins, Talisa, uh, Talisa Asaro. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, but um, (laughs) (laughs) yes. But awesome post. I love it. You know, it's a it's a a fun way to say like we were already thinking about this. We're already doing Mm -hmm. this stuff, right? Um, But also acknowledging that people are really concerned about that. I thought it was just brilliantly done. Nice. Yeah.
0: Uh, we did just have an employee meeting and we were talking about COVID-19 and what we're, we're like. So do we need to change things up? You know, how do we approach this? And um, we really just went over our cleaning guidelines. And obviously now, again, it makes me want to go over it again after having talked with Jason. But um, this uh, we just wanted to make sure everybody felt confident talking about it <laughs> And again. Like now in retrospect, everything feel, felt a little bit naive and not not high enough quality. Um but now we've been empowered with more information. But um we yeah. just wanna be able to everybody to be super confident talking about a filtration. I always want that to be the case and I um want people to be confident talking about how we make sure the yeah. rooms are safe and clean for everybody and what separates us from pools and hot tubs and why that's a good thing, which I think was also clear in, in talking with Jason.
2: So I wonder about timing, Dylan, because um, I think I'm right. my area is more a little like uh, Kim's, you know, not a ton of people are popping up with it just yet, but I'm assuming it's going to happen eventually. So it, for me, I'm thinking I'm not really going to say anything just yet, but over the next couple of days, I'm going to prepare a you know, plan of attack PR wise, if you will. Um, and I'm even thinking just after speaking with Jason, I'm thinking of starting to call people and reassuring, that like, hey, are you not feeling well? We can reschedule. No problem. It won't cost you anything. I'd rather you reschedule if you're not feeling well you know, calling a couple of days out. And other than that, I don't know that I'd be doing anything different just yet, but I'm definitely watching the situation in my area and seeing if people start calling and asking with those questions that, or even via social media asking those questions because maybe that's something that's eventually going to happen on your Facebook page. Someone says, I'm okay. not floating. What about coronavirus? And you're going, to, you're going to be forced to respond so that everybody sees that. Right, so I think preparing for that now is a good idea because it seems like it's going to happen eventually.
1: I agree. Just having something typed up and ready to copy paste as needed. Right. You know, those the questions will come in. It right. just when, like you said,
0: have this episode on <laughs> just ready to go. Like, wait, what are the beats? Yeah. Um. So what about and and Gloria? I'm curious on what your take is going to be on this, and and Kim, your take. Um. Part of me wants to say like, hey, Drew, just wait till that first person calls about it. And then start putting out stuff publicly because then there's probably, that's a good sign that there are more people thinking about it. But the other part of me is like, don't you want to be like ahead of that curve and be putting it out beforehand? Like it's a really big deal. as an, I mean, every single day you're not going to escape news about it, but I imagine it does feel different being in Portland than it does being in New Hampshire. Am I, so like when, how do you, how would you guys make that call? How does one make that call?
1: You know, I'm watching my feed. Um, I, mm. I have a lot of folks who uh, are in the area visiting local areas who are, you know, my friends, and um, they're they're visiting all of the wellness centers, all of those sorts of things. And they they're still saying like they're still going, they're still showing up mm-hmm. for all of these things. But I am watching some of the tone start to change here and there, um, and I'm I'm just watching for that. Like there's, I know there's going to come this moment where it's suddenly like, okay, now I've got to. I've got to say something about it, but I don't want it to be too late. You know, um, we haven't gotten cancellations coming in yet. Mm. Um, so our schedule's still looking really good. Um, and so I, you know, I still don't know what that like exact moment is. I just fully trust my instinct that I'm going to know when it hits though. So.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. For, for us, I feel like it's here. <laughs> we need to, mm-hmm. we need to put something. Hey, you know, since you mentioned it and Gloria, I want to hear from you, but I just want to do a quick correction at the top of the show. I said that we had somebody with Co. Uh, excuse me, with COVID-19 uh, cancel. It was actually a family member uh, that had COVID-19. <laughs> Kim threatened to <laughs> call just... me out publicly <laughs> for lying. <life. laughs>
1: no, I just want to be that clear. was just I don't want to... eating away at you. It I was. It, it was.
0: Um, uh-huh. So, so <laughs> they canceled Such integrity. because there was a high chance that they had it and they didn't want to bring it into our facility. So we appreciated that. Okay, just want to get, get the wall off my chest.
3: I yeah, can't live a, with it. That's a really good thing. Um, yeah, so I, <clears throat> I'm i with you, Dylan. I think now is the time, and I am literally going to get off this podcast <laughs> and, and go communicate, um, hmm. put something together, because yeah. I, I was kind of teetering, right? So now I feel that it might be overdue. I think it is overdue. Hmm. And um, it's, it's just responsible as a business owner to go out and make sure you're Clients understand that this is top of mind, that your employees are being, you know, talked to about the best demonstrated practices of controlling these, these issues. Um, we're all thinking about everybody's health and safety, and we always have been. I do think um, back to the person in the float collective that posted that little meme, I, I think we've always thought about sanitation. We need to remind people about that. And you brought up another good point, Dylan, that you're employees have to be trained to have absolute confidence on the sanitation cycle between floats, no matter what, even if this didn't exist. And I started to question like, when's the last time we revisited that? When, how often do we talk about it? Do our new people have that level of confidence? Right. If there's one thing we know they're going to get asked about, it's that. <laughs> so I want to go back and just make sure I'm not taking that for granted with our 27 people that we have working and. Wow. It's it's tough,
1: right? So. Yeah. And I think I, you know, I'm definitely going to have my statement ready and I'll have the post ready drafted. And I just don't know when the right time is. Huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because I don't send a lot of newsletters, getting a newsletter from us would be like super jarring. I mean, it's been. Six months almost since I sent my last newsletter. I I just don't do a lot of them. Yeah, which I know, coming from a marketing person, sounds like you know blasphemy. But I just don't
0: important when they show up. Yeah, it's
1: it's just not that important for us. And so if I sent it, I feel like that's going to throw alarms for people. Um,
0: But but, and then that's the thing. That's the thing to weigh against. Like, what's the alarm already, and how much will that alleviate it by putting something out there? And yeah, again, I can't speak for where you're at, but. Just it just seems like the awareness is so high, the toilet paper is so low. By the way, why yes. don't people own bidets? What are we doing? I, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been having soon.
1: this
2: conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: why don't you- just get a What archaic world right. are we living right. in here? Right. People they, really yes, <laughs> they, really, they really are great. Yes, they really are great. Thank you. Thank how you.
3: about how about Jason talking about the whole toilet paper wars in, in right? Yes. right? Yes. And, I love um, it. No, it's it's definitely a modern luxury that we should have been uh, hmm. taking advantage of. I wonder if there are any flood centers that have them.
0: Well, perhaps not in the US, but I'm assuming in
3: Europe I yeah. they do. I wonder in the US, that would be uh, pretty cutting edge. All right. I've derailed the show. We should wrap this up. Uh, have you or have I?
0: I, did, so I did I go?
3: Did I? Am I at it again?
0: Um, we, I think, yeah. <laughs> After last oh
2: last uh, yes. before we do wrap up though, Please. I think yes. coming, kind of um, piggybacking off of some of the important points that I pulled out from the Jason McDonald interview yeah. is yeah. that as float centers, we have a lot going for us in a yeah. positive way. Mm-hmm. And I think, there was a lot of tidbits in that um, that we we have you in isolation, you're alone, you're not out in the public. We do heavily sanitize in between everything. I basically wipe down everything after everybody comes in. I only have three tanks. As three people come in, three people go out, it's very easy to clean. Lo- we have low amounts of people, uh, as far as numbers of people, um, there's not a hundred people, a thousand people coming through every day. and. Um, So, you know, already we know some of our safe features of what we offer. And those are the important things to highlight and to focus on rather than being nervous about what we don't know. Focus, answer those questions with what you do know, what you do do, and the positive steps you take to keep your place safe. Focusing on doo-doo, yes.
0: Yeah, as opposed (laughs) to like, hey, these are the steps we're going to be taking. Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, this is what we already do. Like like the meme said. Like we're we're way ahead of you. I like that a lot.
2: And you're showering before and after, right? Yeah, it's so good stuff. if you did touch something, shower appropriately. Don't take one of those thirty second showers. Take a real shower. <laughs> Customer. Jason had,
1: he had Customer. some great little great little catch lines for us, you know, like stay away from large groups, isolate yourself in the tank, you know? Oh, um avoid the toilet paper fight, float instead. Like he had so many little things that I'm just like, Oh my gosh
3: crisis yeah for it's sure Brilliant.
2: and yeah. i think there's a lot of creative people in the float industry who can you know if we don't fall into the fear side of things you can spin that into a positive yeah stay home quarantine yourself we'll clean up after you come float all right guys
0: well before we go i have a few thanks to give to our patreon supporters i'm gonna butcher a whole bunch of fresh names here so nice. buckle in here yes all right here we, here we go oh wow already starting out with just a great one here um francois milbin valerie titford lena parker morris recognize a few of these names from the float collective morgan cunningham dan riches tanya little nicole walcott definitely recognize that name joe thomas micah sakamono mora flanagan robert Atland, anton kutsnetov adam cave marcus susini and Kimari young Thank you guys so much for supporting us on Patreon. That means a ton to us. And it means we get to create this podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Truly appreciate it. Thanks to everybody who's supporting us on Patreon. Uh, It's not just that you support the podcast, but you get something back. There are a bunch of tears now. You get marketing photography for your business we do video so you can really catch those eyeballs on those social media feeds and um athletes as well which i should mention the athletes that we use um some of them are professional athletes and we don't have the rights to resell these images so um like last month's uh, images of lisa chulich those are no longer for sale and will never be for sale again so um and the other athletes will be delayed by at least a year. So uh, this is something that if you do want to be targeting athletes into your float center, um, you want to sign up for the athletes tier um, to to be getting those. Um, or the transcendent uh, tier so that you get videos and athletes as well. So uh, let's see here. Beyond that, also, um, if you're not supporting us on Patreon, we still really love you. We love that you're listening into this show. We love creating this podcast for you. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, thanks to Float Away to Jenny and Colin. Oh man, uh, Colin, you know he may have actually. I don't. Th- I think I can share this because I think it was on a podcast. He was actually talking about a new product that he's making to actually um, control the temperature and humidity of your float rooms. And it doesn't. It, so if you have an open float tank or not, you can make sure that the room is perfectly, exactly what you want without you know having your entire HVAC system designed for it, which is super, super cool because he is passionate about delivering a perfect float for his clients you are his clients and uh, for your clients so floataway.com is where you want to go to check out all of his latest inventions and his float tanks and tell them hello jenny and colin are awesome people so please say hello from art of the float and uh let's see here i think is that all the thanks i want to give no way there's also kim hannon who takes our show notes live every episode (laughs) Thank you. so. Oh, except for tonight, apparently. Uh, I did. <laughs> did.
2: I did. I did. <laughs>
0: thank you, Kim, for taking show notes. And uh, thanks to Drew, Gloria, Kim for joining us. Uh, it is always so much fun to get to chat with you. Who knew uh, talking about COVID-19, such a dark topic, could uh, still be so much fun because of this awesome company. So thank you guys so much. And thanks for just the awesome questions and everything for, for Jason um, and what an insightful episode and finally of course thanks to jason mcdonald for joining us what uh great uh, bit of information and uh, tomb of knowledge so thank you jason beyond that as always remember uh bidets are extremely cheap you can get them at home depot sears yes. amazon my wife got them so i've had a bidet for years at our old condo at the new house uh, she got one for me for Valentine's Day and installed it as a surprise without letting Man, me that's know.
3: Love. Which means, that's well, obviously, love. deep Wait, love or a message. Wait, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Wait, Drew, you
0: don't have a bidet. Is it
3: love with oh, a message?
0: No, I I always <laughs> rant about how much I love bidets, and uh, she was able to install it herself. So there's no excuse. Anybody in the USA should not be get using a bidet. a bidet. It is wow. get a bidet,
2: Drew. I have a uh, hose. Does that count? That works. <laughs> that will work. My old day was basically Classy. just
4: that.
0: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's how we do it. <laughs> See you next week.